Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Monday, November 1st, 2021. I am Dave Biddle. I am very happy to be joined by Patrick Murphy. Patrick, a lot to get into. Let's start, of course. Uh, let's look back on Ohio State's 33-24 win over Penn State, what we liked, what we didn't like. Let's start off with the good stuff. What did you like most about this win? What are some things that really stood out uh, that you really liked that the Buckeyes did? Well, I really liked the defensive line play. I think it took a while. Steve and I were talking about this during the game, but it took a while for the Buckeyes to get the pressure that they needed. There were times early in the the first half when Sean Clifford was just kind of standing back there and had time to pick things up, but the Buckeyes adjusted, and uh, that's something they've done a good job of, I think, since since that Oregon loss, really, uh, adjusting to, to what the offense is doing, and, and they were able to get pressure, eight tackles for a loss, four sacks, obviously forced two fumbles. One of those came really early and then had the interception drawn cage with, with the big return uh, for, I think it was the 57 yard touchdown. So I really liked that once they got going, it seemed to seem to look like an Ohio state defensive line that, that we expect that was good on, on my part. I liked that they stuck with running the ball. It wasn't working very well. Travion Henderson was, was picking up one, two, three yards at a time, but with a player as talented as him, uh, an offensive line as good as Ohio State's. I'm glad to see they didn't completely abandon it, kind of like they did in the Oregon game. And Trayvon Henderson obviously uh, made Penn State pay the big run in the second half. And he finishes with 152 yards and a touchdown. So it all looks good there, but you need to keep balance. And I thought they did that offensively, you know, 28 rushes for him, 34 rushes overall. So I thought both of those things were good. Both things took time. But when you're playing a team like Penn State, who obviously was desperate, obviously knew what Ohio State was going to do, um, especially trying to run the ball, they gave up over 300 yards rushing to, to Illinois the week before. So clearly that was a, a thing they were trying to stop. But I thought, you know, Ohio State did a good job to, to figure it out and get that running game going. And, you know, it's only a matter of time with Travion Henderson, I think, uh, you know. He's too talented to be held down. It's going to take a, a pretty impressive defense to really slow him, I think. And, you know, Penn State did a good job for a while, but, you know, you, you just keep cracking at it and eventually you break through that dam. Now it's a, a six-point game late in the fourth quarter. If Noah Ruggles misses that, that fourth field goal that, you know, yeah. of course, does he miss kicks? No, so far he does not. <laughs> uh, but if he would have missed that field goal, Penn State would have had the ball with the chance to win the game late in the fourth quarter. I mean, Buckeyes came in, they were favored by 19 and a half. They win by nine. So, but as we know, I mean, any win against Penn State is tough. It, it just is. I mean, they look at Ohio State as their main rival. 
we'll get to the implications of, of you know what this means for the college football playoff rankings when they come out in a moment here on the show. Before we do that, what did you not like from Ohio State during the Penn State game? Yeah, I did think there were some areas of I don't want to say regression because, like you said, Penn State. You know, this was a team just a few weeks ago that was ranked in the top five. Obviously, they're not that good, but I do think they're better than they showed against Illinois. Defensively, I think this team's good. So I, I wasn't thrilled with how C.J. Stroud played. You know, the numbers looked fine, 22 for 34 for 305 yards and a touchdown. But there were some of those throws that looked a lot like what he did early in the season, uh, just, just missing on some throws, not seeing some guys open stuff that I thought we'd gotten past. Now, if, if a bad day for C.J. Stroud is 305 yards and a touchdown against a good Penn State pass defense, I think Ohio State fans are going to take that ultimately. But I thought he would had made more progress than this. Um, and, and, and again, I say that and he threw for 300 yards. So it's, it's good and bad there. Um, you know, the, his, his willingness to run, I know, is something that you want to talk about. And, and we can get to that in a minute. But just, just overall, I thought there were still some throws he left out there. Could have been an even bigger day. Still obviously concerned with this pass defense. I said it after the game. Uh, I think this defense is still very much a work in progress. It's better than what we saw against Oregon. Uh, but Sean Clifford and a banged up Sean Clifford, 361 yards and a touchdown, completing only 67% of his passes, had to throw 52 times to do it. But the, the Nittany Lions clearly felt that they could throw the ball on this secondary um, especially stuff over the middle. You know, they, they ran the ball 29 times for 33 yards. So that side of the defense is good. But yeah, that pass defense, you know, as, as games continue to go on, and I don't know if they're going to see a better passing offense than Sean Clifford and the Nittany Lions. There's obviously some very good receivers, at least in, in the Big Ten. But if this team does make the college football playoff, you're, you could run into some serious weapons at, uh, at that level. And again, it's going to come down. We saw it last year. Can this defense make enough progress in the passing game in the secondary to stop a really good passing offense if, if this is a national championship winning team? I still don't have answers on this defense. I, again, I think they're making progress. I just don't know how far they've come. Um, you know, I think this week was, was supposed to be a real test, and it did test them. And you know, I, would, I would give it a B, B- minus in terms of the pass defense thus far. Yeah, way too many yards given up to Sean Clifford. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, as, as you said, I don't care what James Franklin says. He was nowhere near 100%. Um, he was healthier than he was against Illinois. He definitely sure. did, a lot, did a lot of healing during the week. But still, I mean, way too many passing yards given up there. Um, all right, let's talk about C.J. Stroud, as you mentioned. So he has a complete, you know, I, I'm seeing a complete unwillingness to run the ball. Now, and I plan on asking Ryan Day about this tomorrow. I don't know how much we'll get into it because it's kind of like giving away secrets. Um, I wonder if this is C.J. Stroud just has no interest in running the football or if this is the coaches telling him, we don't want you to run. You know, if it's the shoulder, if it's for other reasons, we just need to keep you healthy. C.J. Stroud is a gifted quarterback. I mean, his even when he has off nights, he puts up big stats. It helps when you have the best receiving core in Ohio State history. I get that, and a good offensive sure. line, and a you know a good tight end, and a you know excellent running back. He's he's in a great situation in a Ryan Day offense. I get all that. I still, but I I love that C.J. Stroud is Ohio State's quarterback. But this is a concern of mine that he doesn't run for a couple of reasons. When he's scrambling, there's times I see 
clear as day he could pick up a first down on a third down if he just would be will, willing to run the ball. And he doesn't have to like try and like take on a defender. He could run out of bounds, run, slide, easily pick up a first down. You know, he'll get greedy and see a guy maybe 15 yards down the field and throw it and incomplete. Then you're punting or, or you're kicking a field goal instead of moving the chains. So when he's scrambling, he needs to at times run the ball. He's not doing that. Here's the other problem that I see. I'm curious to get your take on this. The defense, and for right, rightfully so, the opposing defenses show no respect of Stroud's ability to keep the ball because he doesn't keep the ball. So when Ohio State does their little faux zone read, it's not really the zone read, but it's supposed to kind of masquerade as the zone read. When they do that, the defense just crashes into, into Travion Henderson or Mayan Williams because they know there's no chance of C.J. Stroud keeping the ball. So it's twofold. It's when he's scrambling. He's just never keeping the ball and picking up those. And those, those type of first downs just kill defenses when quarterbacks do that. They have great coverage or they get pressure on the quarterback, but you still get the first down. He's not doing that at all. Or when they run the ball, they know the running back's getting the ball. The defense does because Stroud won't keep it. Patrick, what do you see in there? Do you think he just doesn't have a willingness to run? Or you think the coaches are telling him not to run? Maybe a combination of both. What do you see in here? To me, this is it's somewhere in the middle. I think that we know that C.J. Stroud can run. We saw him do it last year against Michigan State, the big run, his one touchdown. We've seen it a couple times this year where he's taken off for, for 10, 15 yards, whatever it has been. And I, I it's been like three, I think. Uh, but, uh, you know, so he can do it. We know he's, he's not J.T. Barrett athletic. He's not Justin Fields in the open field. Uh, if you watch the Bears game yesterday, Justin Fields had maybe the best run I've seen in the NFL and, and – that's including watching Lamar Jackson play. So I don't think he has that ability, but he can certainly pick up those yards that you're talking about where they're there and it's easy and you and I could pick it up if we needed to. What he, what you. we're seeing, yeah, what we're seeing for sure is that he is the type of player. And I think this is probably a combination of Ohio state coaching, but also what he's been coached throughout his career is to keep his eyes downfield and look for the receiver. And I think that a few times Saturday in a game where I thought we would see him run more because I thought there would be that ability or there would be that availability. And there certainly was, and he would need to do it. Uh, you know, there were times where he got right up to the line and just kind of moved his feet, moved his feet. And more often than not, he ends up finding a receiver, but you're right. There's, there's 10, 15 yards, easy first down. Let's go. You know, it doesn't matter how the yardage gets picked up as long as you pick it up. Right. So I can't imagine that Ryan Day, who has coached a variety of quarterbacks and do a variety of different things, is telling him don't run unless they're more worried about that shoulder than than we know. And right now his shoulder looks pretty healthy. I don't I don't think that's and he's taken some hits on that. He's landed on it a couple of times. So to me, I don't think that's the problem. I think it's more that he's just not he's not Dwayne Haskins. He's not a statue, obviously, but that he just has been coached for a long time to, to keep his eyes downfield and throw the ball and, you know, not necessarily think to run first, it's going to have to happen. And whether that's Ohio state's coaching staff having to coach him in that direction um, you know, I, I don't know the, the, the answer and what's happening behind the scenes, but he made a comment about it after the game. So he's aware that, that he's being asked about it, you know, in our circles and things like that. So it's certainly something that's on his mind. He, you know, it was kind of like, I can run. I know I can run. I know everyone's concerned about this. 
So I don't know if we'll see more of that, if that's something they'll talk about in the coming weeks. But uh, you're, you're, you're spot on with, with kind of the breakdown there. That there's plenty of yards to be picked up in those certain situations, especially when he rolls out. Uh, and, and I think we're going to need to see it. You know, it may not be next week or, or whatnot, but yeah, at some point, and, and I do think he does a great job of, of finding receivers. And, you know, if that's the type of quarterback he is, that's the type of quarterback he is. But even Dwayne Haskins, a few times in his one year as a starter at Ohio State, did pick up some yards with his legs. And you just have to be able to do that. And as you mentioned, the, the zone read things, it's, it's a lot more effective when they're worried about the quarterback taking off and keeping the ball. Yeah, that 2018 game against Michigan, there was a play early in the game where, where Dwayne kept it on, on a zone yeah. replay and got a first down. And everybody was like, holy crap, like Ohio State fans were probably more um, <laughs> surprised by that well, than and Don maybe, Brown in Michigan. Maybe that's what they're waiting for they're is just that waiting type for of Michigan. situation. Yeah. Well, just that type of situation. But I thought that would be Saturday, you know, especially when the game was tight and, you know, Ohio State didn't get a big lead or anything like that. I thought, okay, we'll see this a couple times here today. But, you know, maybe they just felt like they didn't need it or, you know, I don't know. It's it's a good question, and, and I'm glad you're going to ask Ryan about it. I don't know if he'll give us a really good answer. Like you said, if this is something they're kind of keeping in their back pocket, he, he's not going to talk about it a ton. But, you know, again, thing, it was yeah. a it was a six-point game. <laughs> it's It's kind of a dangerous question to ask, but it needs to be asked to him because, right, if it's – if it, I think it has to be one or two things. C.J. Stroud, and by the way, I, I, you have to be tough to be a starting quarterback at the collegiate football level. I mean, he's a yeah. tough kid. There's no doubt he's tough. I'm not saying he's not tough, but he's not showing any willingness to run. So if if it's the coaches telling him don't run because we're worried about your shoulder, Ryan Day's not going to announce that to the public. Why would he? Um, and he's also not going to say, yes, yeah, EJ just shows no willingness to run. And then people are going to be like, well, what, is there a toughness issue here? He's not going to throw his play under the bus. So I'm curious what he's going to say. I'll definitely ask well, him about it tomorrow. And, and here's a question too, real quick is, so Justin Fields first year at Ohio state two, two seasons ago, they didn't want him to run a ton because they didn't have anything behind him really that they were confident as a backup quarterback we've seen both backup quarterbacks and, and not to not include Quinn Ewers but it doesn't look like he's going to play maybe there's not a huge amount of confidence in these guys to start right now you know we Ryan Day's even mentioned it a couple of times and he's been asked about Kyle McCord and Jack Miller that you know they need to continue to come along um, so I wonder too if there's a little bit of that that you know we've, we've seen CJ Stroud get already banged up with the shoulder if if he goes down, are we that confident in these two guys? I don't know the answer to that, but based on Ryan Day's track record here, that's been when they haven't run the quarterback as much, when they aren't confident in the backup. So just spitballing on that idea, that's not anything I've heard or know, um, just kind of off the top of my head that popped into my brain right now. I would be surprised if they're telling him not to run at Me all. Too. Because, Me too. Because there's a way to run as a quarterback and, and do it in a safe fashion. When we see quarterbacks get injured, where, where do the vast majority of those injuries happen when the offensive line collapses and, sure, you know, sure. and a quarterback gets uh, his leg buckled in the pocket? Um, now, obviously, there's exceptions. There's times a quarterback gets blown up when he's trying to run. Um, but there's a way to run the football as a quarterback and, and do it in a safe fashion and not do it very often. I'm not suggesting C.J. Stroud should be running the ball 10 times a game. Um, you know, once or twice would be nice, though, when, when it's right there. Or, again, so they're not crashing on the running back every time, not just when he's scrambling. It would also help the running backs out. All right, moving right along. The college football playoff rankings come out tomorrow. It's going to be interesting. Um now, people say the AP poll doesn't matter, and, and they're right, but it's still interesting. Ohio State dropped from fifth to sixth in the AP poll. Michigan State jumped them. 
Uh, right behind Ohio State in the AP poll is Oregon at seventh. So Ohio State now sixth in the AP. I'll give my prediction here in a second. Where do you think Ohio State's going to be ranked in the CFP tomorrow? Well, we know from, from past college football playoff rankings that they're rarely in line with, especially this first one, rarely in line with the AP poll or the coaches poll. Uh, I don't think it's the fact that they like to do things differently. I think they just come up with their rankings in a very different way. You know, obviously the, the AP is not meeting every week to, uh, you know, the, the people in the media to discuss this like, like this group is. So I have a feeling that Ohio State is going to be ranked somewhere around seven. Uh, behind Michigan State, who they will play, let's remember that, and behind Oregon, who they already played, and Oregon beat Ohio State on the field. And I think that's going to matter to the committee right now. I think down the road, you look at Oregon's schedule and you look at Ohio State's schedule, Ohio State has some, some very good, in terms of what, where we imagine these teams are going to be ranked, left on their schedule. Oregon doesn't. I don't, I don't think uh, if I looked at it last week, so it may have changed, but I don't think Oregon has an AP ranked team on their schedule the rest of the way. So I think that will change. I also think the toughest game Oregon. remaining is at Utah. Sorry to cut you off. Their toughest yeah, game yeah. remaining is at Utah and Utah's not even ranked to your point. Right. Go ahead. So, yeah, I, I, I imagine to start Ohio state will probably be ranked lower than Buckeye fans would like. And, but I think the opportunity is there to climb back up. Um, you know, obviously you're going to be, you're going to face Michigan state. You're going to face a good Michigan team. I have to think the big 10 championship game will be against a ranked team. Although that has been a little bit dicey over there in the big 10 West of late. Uh, so you, you certainly have opportunity. Purdue could even get maybe into the, the low top 25s. They won again this past weekend. They were ranked a couple weeks ago in the AP poll, but yeah, I think it, it would not surprise me if Ohio state is seven ish around there behind both Michigan state and, and Oregon. Um, but I do think this is going to be very interesting because not only those teams, but how does the committee view Cincinnati, a team that could be undefeated and stand in Ohio State's way potentially? How do they view an undefeated Oklahoma team who has not looked good until this past weekend, even in wins? How do they value that? Um, obviously, Alabama has one loss as well. That was to an unranked team on the road. So I, it, I'll be very interested. This is probably the most interested I've been in the first college football playoff rankings since the first ones ever when we just didn't know anything about it, just because I think there's a lot of questions and still a lot of football to be played, but just a lot of questions on how the committee views a lot of these teams. Man, I thought I had a hot take, but I, <laughs> I agree with you. I, cause I think a lot of people are expecting Buckeye fans are thinking they're going to be ranked fifth, you know, maybe sixth in the CFP. I think they're going to be seventh. I, the committee, they're going to, they're going to put Oregon over Ohio state that head to head matchup, especially with it being in Columbus and yeah. um, I think they're going to, I agree with you. I think they're going to put um, just like the AP, they're going to put Michigan state over Ohio state. But I think unlike the AP, I think the committee will put Oregon over Ohio state. And while Ohio state's schedule is much tougher and they're going to have a chance to, to get victories over ranked teams. I still see a problem. Now, this is a problem. I guess you kind of want to have, it mean, you'd be 12 and one in big 10 champs, but if it's 12 and one Ohio state, big 10 champs versus 12 and one Oregon pack 12 champs, even though, Oregon's played a much weaker schedule and Stanford's a bad loss and all that. And those are the teams fighting to be the fourth and final team to make it. I bet you the committee would put Oregon in over Ohio state, even though I believe Ohio state's the better team, Oregon would have the head to head. And if think about it, if you're an Oregon fan, you'd be, you'd be so upset and rightfully. So if both teams are 12 and one, you won in Columbus and they put, they picked Ohio state over Oregon. So 
I think Oregon, if it comes down to Ohio State in Oregon, I think Oregon needs to lose again, even though Ohio State in that scenario would have wins over top five Michigan State, a top 10 Michigan. You know, like you mentioned, Purdue could be ranked, whoever they play in the West, uh, and the championship game could be ranked. I still think because of the head to head, they would take 12 and one Oregon over 12 and one Ohio State. Well, I think what matters most, and I think you might be right, but the committee's taken. Ohio State over Penn State. And obviously the committee changes every year. It's not the same group. That's true. Um, and head-to-head does matter sometimes, it seems. Um, I think it matters how Ohio State wins some of these games. You know, if it looks like it did on Saturday against Penn State, yeah, you win, but you were a 19-point favorite. And maybe you didn't look as good as you expected. You know, they beat Michigan State. Um, and even some of the non-ranked teams. You know, if they struggle a little bit in Nebraska this weekend, I think that could be held against them. But if Ohio State goes out and dominates the rest of these teams on their schedule, especially, I think, assuming Michigan continues to win, I know they lost last weekend, but if they dominate a Michigan team in Ann Arbor who's highly ranked, win the Big Ten championship game comfortably, and maybe Oregon doesn't look as good in some of those games, I think as you get further along and you get those, you know, they call them, uh, what's the term they always use? Uh, Like bullet points. Well, just like, just each week you add another bullet. That's not the term they use, but something like that. I think that could help Ohio state, but I still think, you know, do they take a group of five Cincinnati over a big one loss, big 10 champion? They haven't done that in the past, but Cincinnati does have a couple power five wins has looked good in all, but basically one game. Um, You know, I think an undefeated Oklahoma, even if they don't look good, probably is in over a one loss big 10 champion. But, you know, I think there's, I think the Oregon thing is certainly uh, in the, in, in the questions here. Uh, you would certainly, if you're Ohio State, would just like to see Oregon lose one more game and probably not more than one more game, but just one more game and get it out of the way. But I don't think it's necessarily cut and dry. Ohio State and Oregon will be battling for that number four spot because right now we've got four teams that are probably ahead of Ohio State. And if those teams keep winning, Alabama beats Georgia in a close game in the SEC championship game, for instance, there's still four teams that potentially could be ahead of Ohio State. So I think it's going to be interesting. But if you're the Buckeyes, you just have to handle your business um do so fairly convincingly i know ryan day said on on saturday night that this wasn't a style points game it may come down to a few of those style points games and you know you you let the cards fall where they may uh, you lost the game against oregon at home so you've got to deal with that and, and just hope things go your way but all you can do is focus on is keep winning that's right it's a problem i want to have it's a problem i'm sure every buckeye fan maybe not every buckeye fan agrees with me on that <laughs> but if you're 12 and one and then you're you have to kind of sweat out uh the college football playoff uh selection show at least that means your big 10 champs you beat michigan again you beat michigan state so problem i want to have for sure great stuff from patrick murphy thank you very much patrick thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning in the show we appreciate that very much hope everyone has a great day let's hear that buckeye swag best damn band in the land Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 